0: what is a memoir, really? Why would you choose to write one? Does it have to be 100% factual and accurate? Will you get sued? Answers to these questions and more on Episode 21 of Writing Pursuits. Welcome to the Writing Pursuits podcast, where authors like you discuss writing craft, author life, and book marketing strategies. I'm your host, Kathrice McKee. I own Writing Pursuits and write and produce the weekly newsletter, Writing Pursuits Tips for Authors. In addition, I am a speculative fiction author. Writing Pursuits is for authors who drink too much coffee, endure judgmental looks from their furry writing companions, and struggle for words. If you are a writer seeking encouragement, information, and inspiration, this podcast is for you. Let's get to it. Hey, Writing Pursuits authors, welcome back to the podcast. To those of you who are new, I want to extend a special welcome. My name is Kathrice McKee, and I'm glad you're here. Please leave a comment, a star rating, and follow the show to help others find Writing Pursuits. Today, I am thrilled to welcome an expert on writing memoirs to the show. Valerie Eson is a published author, a story analyst, podcaster, and coach. As a certified three-story method editor, she nurtures and empowers authors to create their best work. She specializes in helping writers find the core message of their memoirs, diagnosing underdeveloped areas in their fiction or nonfiction manuscripts with a story rubric, and taking writers through the process of writing a memoir from beginning to end. She hosts a summer writing retreat in Oregon along the Mackenzie River and is living the dream life with a Turkish husband and three rescue dogs. She works in an independent bookstore and plans to move to Costa Rica in two years. I'd like to welcome Valerie Isan to my podcast today. I'm so happy to have her with me. And um, I first want to talk about what is a memoir?
1: What is a memoir right off the bat?
0: Yes, right off the bat, right off the
1: bat memoir is not I'm gonna I'm gonna start negative. It's not an autobiography. So when you think of an autobiography, you think, Oh, I was born in Michigan. And I went to this school and I went to that school and I got married this year. And I went into the army in this year and I had kids and, you know, it goes all the way, you know, till not your death because you're writing it, but it's it encompasses your entire life. And that's not super interesting. Most people that pick up memoirs are not interested in the genealogy of, you know, you and your parents and your grandparents. So it's not a life story. It is just a snapshot of a particular time in your life. Um, You can write several memoirs about your life, but there's only one autobiography.
0: You've done that, right? You've written one yourself.
1: Yeah, I have, I have a memoir that is published and I'm currently working on the second one and I already have plans for the third one.
0: <laughs> so how did you get started with your memoirs then?
1: Um, my first memoir, Smell the Blue Sky, was my first published book. So prior to being an author, the day I found out I was pregnant with my second child was the day my husband died. Oh, So I was in my 20s, and I had a 22-month-old and was pregnant. And as my personality allowed, the first thing I would do when I would hit a problem is go to books and try to figure out, you know, what am I going to do about this now? (laughs) And this was pre-9-11, so there were no Young Widow books, you know, on the market. I found one. Oh, no. I think and, um, well, uh, one memoir, and then there was, there was a non, one nonfiction book that catered towards the right ways to grieve and the right, you know, like there is no right way to grieve. I can't even remember the title. I'm grieving as hard as I can, or as fast as I can. That's what it was called.
0: Like some kind of thing about bereavement?
1: Yeah, it was called I'm grieving as fast as I can. Oh, wow. Okay. And so it was a bunch of case studies and a bunch of questions and, and things that would come up for, for younger widows and widowers. So, um, so yeah, so I looked for a book and there wasn't any book. So somewhere in the back of my head, I kind of knew like, okay, this might be the book I write. And and journaling really was a ginormous lifeline for me um, at that time during the acute grieving stage. It still is, obviously. I love journaling and um, right. it's part of my morning ritual. But at the time, yeah, it was really the way to I wasn't really doing it to capture memories, although that was part of it. It was also the processing of the grief and and that doesn't go in memoirs too. We'll we'll maybe talk about that later. Okay. None of that really went into the memoir, but it was the therapy I guess that I needed then and so the writing really helped me through that
0: grieving process. Did you go back to your journals to help you remember things? Yes. Excellent. Okay. Just to to remember how you felt that day mm-hmm. or uh, what happened around that day or, mm-hmm. or what have you. You wrote that and then were you visualizing an audience for it or were you just writing it kind of to get it off of your heart? Because I felt so adrift,
1: one does anyway when they're grieving, but I did feel particularly alone in my my little my problem <laughs> because there I didn't know any mm-hmm. widows were old. <laughs> You know, when you're in your 20s, right, like anybody right. that's 20 years older than you is old <laughs> and you know, the only widows I knew were had spouses that, you know, died of cancer or of old age or Right. And and I didn't know how to connect with I wanted a way to connect with other women uh, that were going through that problem so they didn't feel alone as alone as I did because they like I said it was pre-9/11 there weren't any young widows in that I could find. Right, right. So it was always a way to let people know that their grief was personal. They were not doing it the wrong way. There was no right way to grieve and you know, they weren't alone. There was other people out there. So I guess it was a form of connection. I really wanted to connect with other people that were that were struggling.
0: That makes sense to me. It must've been especially tough with a toddler and then um, a, a baby on the way and you're you're totally isolated in 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 a whole mm-hmm. different way. That would be tough. So when you set about doing that, then how do you structure a memoir around like an event?
1: Event. Well, I guess I.
0: Or is that what you do? How do you structure a, me- a memoir?
1: Well, there's a there's different kinds of memoir. You can um, you can do a long form like a a book. The short form memoir is the personal essay, which. I didn't make that connection, you know, even after being a writer for a long <laughs> time, it finally dawned on me in a, in a class I was taking, oh, essays are memoirs. Yes. So if you're an essayist and you like consuming essays and reading them, then that's little baby memoirs.
0: <laughs> wow, that's, that's a great thought. So if you think you want to try to do an, uh, a memoir, then you can just write an essay about, you know, just a, a day. Mm-hmm. a small experience, yeah. A day in the life.
1: Yeah. And also I don't know if this is true or not because I'm not a poet, but I have read poetry before that does kind of sound a little memoirish too. So you could go really small <laughs> and write uh, write poetry too. That so so in, everybody knows poetry is the hardest thing to write. <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah. In terms of the structure, so it can be long or it can be short. And then You can either do a narrative arc memoir, which is like a novel where it starts with an inciting incident and there's a character arc and a story arc and plot and conflict and choice and all of that. And you can also do an S linked essays. Oh, when you think of like Rachel Heron wrote um, my life in stitches. So that was a memoir that was told in essay format and each essay was uh, linked thematically with the other essays based on the sweater that she was knitting at the time of the story. Oh, wow. So it's her life. It's her life according to the sweaters that she knit. It's a really great memoir. <laughs> I highly
0: recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> That's a great way to uh, knit together a, <laughs> a memoir. Not to be too funny, but... Yeah. Also, something more
1: popular right now is Glennon Doyle's Untamed. And that one is not a narrative arc. Sometimes uh, the essays are not even really essays. They're you know, little small things. I kind of feel like it's an anthem almost. Um, I really enjoyed it, but it was not a narrative arc memoir. So I, I would say those are the two most common, a narrative arc that reads like a novel or one that's written more in essays and they're linked by some theme. There's one other one that pops up every once in a while and it, it's kind of a hybrid of the two almost. And that's like the eat pray love, where it's got a it's got a, a container that it fits in. There's a sculpture to the to the structure. Um she has it in like, you know, three different parts. There are three different countries. And I think she also um I think there the number of chapters, which I use loosely there, uh correspond with the number of like prayer beads or something. that and this necklace that she mm-hmm. had. So she, she was really deliberate about it. Another um, book that I really like, it's called Made from Scratch. It's about a woman that stopped doing uh, corporate work and bought a farm, a setting farmer. And so her memoir, Scratch, is a personal essay and then an article about the thing she was talking about in the personal essay. So if it's this funny story about these chickens that she loves watching, then the next Um, Mm -hmm. article is going to be about how to raise chicks. Oh, so it was informational, but there was a lot of narrative as well. And I really liked that structure.
0: That's almost like a YouTube channel. You know, if you watch enough YouTube channels and you really key into one, what tends to happen is they're mostly about what they're trying to teach or what their topic is, but occasionally they'll branch into uh, a vlog. Yeah you know, and they'll tell, this is how our life is. And, you know, things that are going on, and very personal, and then they'll go right back to, so if you think of it as kind of a YouTube channel in print.
1: <laughs> also, I think it's really great for nonfiction writers, if they're writing about anything, any, any nonfiction topic, by bringing in a couple of personal stories into the nonfiction manuscript, you can really connect with the reader, I think. And I think it really improves the nonfiction work by adding a couple of little, you know, stories in there.
0: That's what um, James Clear did in his book, Atomic Mm -hmm. Habits. His personal story is really kind of gut-wrenching a little bit, very transformative, a very hard thing for a young person to experience. It kind of informed the rest of his life, and and it definitely gave him the inspiration for his nonfiction work, which has been very influential. It certainly influenced me, but I was very touched by the story that he told about himself and how he got started. A
1: great um, resource for that is um, the book's called Running Down a Dream by Tim Grawl. Mm-hmm. H.L. Oh, yes. That's a nonfiction book, mm-hmm. but there's so much of his story in it. Okay. And- And actually, part of that story is how the original drafts didn't have that story in it. And the feedback he got from his editors were, it's not right yet. It's not right yet. It's not right yet. Until he added the personal to it, and then it worked.
0: (laughs) That's very important for all our nonfiction writer friends, and actually for myself, since I'm trying to write nonfiction as well as fiction. So, um, I'll have to remember to make it personal. This episode of Writing Pursuits is brought to you by Word Marker Edits, trusted by fiction authors since 2014 to take their writing to a new level of excellence. Featuring story analysis and diagnostics, Kathrice McKee, a three story method certified editor, can help you prepare your story for the journey ahead. For more information, go to wordmarkeredits.com. And now back to Writing Pursuits. I know that a lot of people write memoirs about Events in their life that they might not tell their best friend. Let's say I have an event and I'm afraid to write about it because my mom is still alive or, you know, things happen and I'm afraid that people might sue me. So what do you say to that?
1: That's a couple of different issues. The first one, when you're talking about relationships, there is kind of a hierarchy of relationships. So the memoir I'm writing right now has my husband in it. So he's got full veto power. I have allotted that to him, but nobody else has that. So when I'm ready for him to read it, I'll give it to him or at least the mm-hmm. chapters that he's in and he can veto anything that's in there. If he's uncomfortable or if he, I mean, hopefully we'll have a conversation about it. And if he says, Oh, I don't like how you portrayed me here. You know, maybe I can explain why I did it that way and why it's important to the story. So, a yeah knowing that it's important to the story and it really should be in there but having some give and take with the person that you're writing about and and having a conversation with them if you want them to have any sort of veto power at all right if it's my sister that I'm writing about yes i care about what she feels and and if she's in the book and and i'm kind of worried about how you know how she how she'll take it i can give her those pages mm-hmm. again and let her ask if I can put it in a different way or, you know, something like that. So it just depends on if it's really necessary for the book. If you took it out, would it really, you know, change the dynamic of the story and what amount of veto power are you giving to those people? So that's, that's one way of looking at it. But first, before you do all that, you have to write the story, right? So I would just write it (laughs) with nobody in mind, you know, just write your story out and then you edit it. So it's not the diary we talked about before. Another thing that I try to do is make sure that the people I'm writing about are being portrayed honestly, and multidimensionally. So sometimes I get feedback, like I was writing about my ex husband, and my former mother in law, I gave it to her to read, she's also a writer, and they wanted her opinion. And she said that he was not portrayed multi dimensionally enough, like he was just this non entity almost. And while my initial thought was, well, it's not about him, you know, (laughs) he is just sort of a placeholder in this story. But I I went back through and I made him more like a real person, you know, which just makes the writing better anyway. Um, And then edit it so that everything in the story is about you. You are the driving force behind the story. The story is about you and how you are remembering the situation and how you were affected by the, and so if you were molested, like it's not a Mm-mm. expose about your uncle that did this thing. It's a story about you and how the, you know, abuse affected your life and your ability to make relationships later. Do you know what I mean? Right. Okay. So if you just make it really about you, then it's not a bashing of someone else. So you're portraying the situation more honestly in in that way. It's not what someone Mm -hmm. did to you, Mm -hmm. edit it to make it about you.
0: That's a very handy tip.
1: And then you go into the relationship part. Then it becomes that part. So after it's all written, then you can go into the, all right, does this part really need to be in here? Maybe my sister should read this first. I don't know. And then in terms of, the, um, you asked about being sued. Right. So libel, that is what you're talking about there. That's a published false statement that's damaging to a person's reputation. So if you were ever to be sued by something you wrote about, it would be because of that. Like you're damaging someone's reputation and their ability to run a business or be a upstanding member of society or whatever. It's a written defamation. Yeah, okay. So, if you are writing honestly about yourself and not about the dude, (laughs) that can also be part of your defense, I guess. You know, like I'm just writing the story as I remember it. You can obviously change names, descriptions, their job. Everybody that writes memoir has some line in the sand that they won't cross in regards to truthfulness. So okay, my line is I don't do composite characters. So that's where you're adding like, okay, I've got too many characters in this book. And in fiction, you can just like take one out or you can smush three of them together and turn them into one character. And I don't, I don't do that in my memoir, but I have changed names and mm-hmm. I just leave a note at the beginning, a little author's note, like the names have been changed to protect privacy. Ooh. And, um, I think I would even maybe, you could probably do gender, too. I've changed the names and genders of some of the characters for privacy's sake. As long as you're upfront with the reader, you know, they'll be fine with it.
0: Right. Okay, that it's not like a historical document that can, you know, used to prove something happened later, you know, or, right? you know. In terms... It's not testimony, It's it's a memoir.
1: <laughs> it is. And really, again, it just boils down to it's your story. And... Also, in terms of of being sued, um, usually the people that have the power and money to do that are celebrities or
0: Mm -hmm. business
1: owner that's high up in the community that has a lot of clout or something like that. So if you're not writing about those people, if you're not writing, I mean, if you're not a celebrity, and you're not writing about a celebrity, then chances are, you wouldn't be sued any. Right. I think the worst that could happen, like you said, you know, my I wrote, I want to write about my mom, but she's still alive and I don't want her to, her feelings to get hurt. So that's just a personal thing that you have to go through after you write the story and you've written about her honestly and multidimensionally, and you've written it so that it's about your reactions and your life after the fact. It's not really about her. And if you want her to read it, you can, or you cannot right. let her read it. You know, you can just publish it and she doesn't even need to know you wrote a book about her. <laughs> You could do that too. Use a pen name. (laughs) Use a pen name. Yeah, you could do that too. And also if you chose the indie route and you decide after the fact that it's getting too much heat or something, if it really does come to that, you can always unpublish it. That's true. You're not going to get sued.
0: That's good. I, I think that's reassuring because I think a lot of people have a memoir in them to write or essays at the very least, um, that they need to kind of get out there and, and maybe share for a reason. But what are some myths about writing memoirs? Well, we talked about the fear of being
1: sued. I think that's kind of mm-hmm. prevalent there too. I get asked about that a lot. Um, but I think also the truthfulness aspect of it comes up a lot in conversation. So they know now, they being the capital they, <laughs> that what we remember changes as we remember it. So every time we recall an event it changes slightly and then what you remember is that changed event so then next time you remember it absolutely you're remembering the changed event which then changes a little and it's just microscopic little changes but it's like that telephone game like it's just going to get altered just a tiny bit and so reconstructing memory can be difficult you can look at journals again you can interview people from your past um, but also just i think i find i find comfort in remembering that I'm just telling my truth. So my story is going to be different than my sibling's story. So the, that's not what he said doesn't really come into effect because this is how I remembered it. This is my story. If you're having a hard time remembering the truth of the moment, you can't just create a scene like you can in fiction, but you can, the truth of the moment actually, I think is a good way to put it. It, If it's something that he always said, then you can put it in this scene, even if he didn't say it in this scene, because it was something he always said. Okay,
0: he always said blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah, so you can you can reasonably extrapolate that he would have said this thing in this situation. So you can put that scene in the, in the memoir and be confident that you're not telling a lie, mm-hmm. even if you can't remember if he said it that day or if it was three days earlier. Right. So... That's the other part that I find very useful is the compression of time. So that means like I just said if if you didn't say it that day but it was 3 days earlier, you can compress those 3 days, they never happened. <laughs> and and we're doing this because what we're writing is a literary work we're, we're taking literary license. We're borrowing from that literary form of a novel. So you can take that creative license. You can compress time. We tell our truths, which works with dialogue and description. Um, if if you want to leave out the confusing bits of a memoir, that's great. Just if it doesn't contribute to your theme, if it doesn't move the story forward, just like in a novel, you're going to take that out.
0: Fantastic. That's fantastic advice. Um, I uh, I know that you have started a new kind of venture in your life of being a three story. Uh, method uh, uh, editor. And I was wondering, um, I know you've worked with people before on memoirs. What are you taking uh, from the three-story method towards helping people with their memoirs?
1: You can definitely use the three-story method and memoir. And it's hard, but it's hard just like it is with novels. So if you're looking for the global or the, excuse me, the global conflict and the global choice right. and the global consequence, just in it like in a novel, finding where those are and really highlighting them and and making them engaging and, and riveting for the reader, you do that with your novel as well. So what is the thing that changes your life in this in this instant? You know, not your whole life necessarily. It's just the part you're writing about. What's that thing that kicked everything off? And then what's the what's that? dark moment of your soul? What is that flaw that you are killing off so that you can make this really big, huge choice? That's really hard. And then what's the fallout from that?
0: And right. And then you have that luxury of compressing the time Mm -hmm. to, you know, because things happen slowly in real life. Sometimes it takes a long time to process, right, something that happened to you. But because you can compress it, then you can keep it very interesting for the reader. um, And also, you know, just focused. So yeah, I really like that. Um, Do you have a service that you're offering?
1: Yeah, a couple of them. So the story diagnostic that all of us three story method Mm -hmm. editors do, yourself included, has, um, you can do that on memoir as well, just like, because you're the character, you still have to have emotional tone and pacing and theme and and all of that. And, and so you can do the story rubric and the story diagnostic diagnostic on memoirs. So I do that. Um, Also, I find that theme is really super important. So I have a service where I help authors find the core of their memoir, that, that armature, that theme, that takeaway message, what that statement about life that you are trying to prove through the behaviors of yourself and the other characters in the book. Um, I think it's more important in memoir than in fiction actually to have a really good theme because otherwise it's just some random dude talking about their life, you know, and that just doesn't, (laughs) that's not very
0: interesting. (laughs) Sometimes theme is the last thing you find. Sometimes theme is the last thing you find in fiction, not the first thing. And I think on memoir, it would be like you say, kind of turn that on its head a little bit Um, and Sometimes my readers will come back and say, "Oh, I think the theme is so good and I'm like, what did they think it was?" And they will reveal what it was and I'm like, "I see where you got that, but that wasn't what I was yeah. going for <laughs> so somewhat it's in the eyes of the reader uh but in the a case of memoir, I can really see why that would be a great thing to know up front um so you have something yeah. to aim at
1: and so that I do that service just to help them find what that core is so that they can go and write their. Write their book. Other people need a lot more structure than that, and a lot more help. And so, I do have a service where I help them write their memoir over the course of a year. It's basically coaching, really, but it just takes them step by step right. through the process and learn all the all the bits of of how memoir is different than novel writing. But
0: a lot of it's the same, really. I think. Right. Right. I think that's great. Well, and but you come at it with experience with memoirs, which. I don't think any of the rest of the editors in you know in our group yeah. have have that experience. So that's a very great great thing for for your clients to know is that you've got experience and, and you, you you're coming at it with a great set of tools. I know that they can find you at Valerie Eson, and that's V A L E R I E I H S A N dot com. I'll put that in the show notes, so <laughs> no worries there. But <laughs> it is—it's uh, Valerie Esan, and I think uh, that's a—that's a great thing. You're also doing something in August. Can you tell us about that? Yes, I r- host a
1: summer writing retreat and workshop. It's, I'm in Oregon, so it's in Oregon, just outside of um, Oregon. So it's Marcola, and it's at a place called Teepee Village Retreat and uh, it's glamping at its most awesome. There's gourmet food, and it's basically a b and with teepees. It's really lovely and beautiful. And I designed it because I need the break from reality so I can go and write uninterrupted without laundry and dishes and dogs and <laughs> day job and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but I always felt a little bit like that was too much of a luxury, you know. If I was going to spend money on a retreat, it I, I should be learning something. So then I would always go to conferences or master classes instead, which was great, and I got to network with other people. But then I wasn't actually doing any of the writing. So I designed it so both is happening at the same time. There's plenty of space uh, for retreat and writing, but there's also instruction every day after breakfast. So and it's all inclusive, so. which I like too.
0: So you can find that on the website at valerieesun.com slash retreat. And uh, that sounds like, man, that sounds so great. I mean, I can't imagine a more beautiful place than right along the Mackenzie River. And uh, wow, this has got to be, that's just got to be great. I know that people are going to want to hear more from you. And you have a podcast that you've resurrected. Can you tell me about that? I know that uh, you've got a partner, which I'm kind of still looking for mine. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's now called Writer Craft Podcast. And we have conversations about craft and creativity. And just being a writer is all about in today's age. And my co host is Eric Mertz. He is a ghost writer, and he writes paranormal mysteries himself under his name. So we have lots of fun conversations about creativity and craft. Uh, before that, it was I was a solo show before that. And It's a lot more fun having the conversation
0: aspect of
1: it rather than just me soloing.
0: (laughs) Now this is the way I'm getting that kind of partnership thing going is just interviewing other people, but you know, eventually I would like to have a co-host. We'll see how that goes. Uh, In the meantime, I really, I really want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, sharing what you know about memoirs and your expertise. And uh, uh, I just hope that everything this year goes super well for you especially the retreat. I know that that's that's a a big deal. And uh, (laughs) y'all can find more about Valerie at her site. And uh, thank you so much. The question of the week is, what is your favorite memoir and why? Leave your comments at writingpursuits.com forward slash podcast forward slash 21. Thanks again to Valerie for taking the time to be with us and for the great information she shared with us about writing memoirs. That's all I have for today. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and follow the podcast. If you're new around here, I hope you will sign up for the weekly newsletter, Writing Pursuits Tips for Authors. That link and all the links mentioned in today's episode are in the show notes at writingpursuits.com. Please join us on Wednesdays for new episodes and keep writing, my friends. Keep writing.